Hello, and thank you for tuning in and listening to Mosley's Bench. This show has been created and designed by former judge Fred M. Mosley. Please stay connected as you will learn more about the law of the life, how it applies to your life, and so much more. Buckle in. Thank you for tuning in to Mosley's Bench. I'm Alexis, and here on the bench, we have Judge Mosley and Anita. Judge Mosley, I'm going to hand the show over to you. Thank you, Alexis. Today, we are going to discuss another law of life, and that law of life is not the concept, not the precept, not even the principle. But it is the law of worship, the law of worship. We define a law of life as being an absolute divine rule that governs the consequences of our actions. And I submit to you that the law of worship is an absolute that is dictated by and through Scripture. As always, we begin with at least one foundational scripture, sometimes a scripture from the Old Testament as well as a scripture from the New Testament. But nevertheless, we always base each of these laws of life uh, based upon one or more scriptural references. And also, we've said to you previously that in order to refer to a law of life as being such, it has to be established beginning in Genesis, carried all the way through the Old Testament into and throughout the New Testament before we can refer to it as being a law. Oftentimes, several hundred scriptures will come together to establish each of these laws of life. We also challenge you early on when we started this series to see if you could think of anything not governed by law. Everything that God has made is governed by natural or physical law, and all of God's laws are contained in Scripture, and they all relate to one or more laws of life. And this is what we endeavor to share with you through uh, Mosley's bench, is that of these laws of life and that everything that we do And everything that we say activates one or more laws of life, either in a positive or in a negative way. So, again, today we will be sharing with you from the law of worship. The foundation of scripture that we are going to refer to for the law of worship is found in St. John chapter 4 beginning with with verse 20 up to and through verse 24. Verse 20, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Verse 21, Jesus saith, saith unto her, woman, believe me, The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain 
nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not. What we know, what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But this is the part that I want you to pay pay close attention. But our coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must, that's an absolute, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's our foundational scripture. And it says to us that God is a spirit. And them that worship him, the only way we can worship God and for our worship to be received is that we worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, we all know there are a lot of formalities that take place in many of our church services and many of our worship services. But I say to you early on, if whatever we are presenting to Father God as being worshipped, it must be worshipped that is sent forth in spirit and in truth. And if it is not, it is not received. I'm going to repeat that. If our worship is not that of being in spirit and in truth, it is not received by our Father, which is in heaven. We have many companion scriptures to the one that I just shared, one being found in Matthew 4, verse 10, that we are to worship the Lord and him only. We are to worship the Lord and him only are we to worship. That is also companioned by many other scriptures, one being in Luke 4, 8, which again admonishes us, we are to worship the Lord and him only. Exodus 34, 14 says us, we are to worship no other God. That's an absolute, that we are to worship no other God. And that's why our emphasis is going to be in this session, is to talk about whether we are aware or unaware, the other God that many of us are worshiping. Let's look very quickly at Isaiah 2, chapter 2, verse 8. And it says to us, their land is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their fingers have made, that they are worshiping the work of their own hands, which their fingers have made, which says to us they were not worshiping the true God. They were not worshiping in spirit and in truth. They were worshiping as many of us are worshiping today. They were working a God of materialism. And these are the kinds of things that we want to refresh our understanding or our recollection as we take a closer look, a closer examination of whether or not we are worshiping the true God in spirit and in truth, or are we worshiping 
silver and gold and money and checking, savings account, investment accounts, retirement accounts of the true and living God. Many who hold themselves out as believers are worshiping the investment accounts. And you may ask, how can I say that? And I'm going to go a little further in that particular area. Not only investment accounts, savings accounts, retirement accounts, checking accounts, other material goods that they have that have value attached to them. The reason I say that and can ask a question corresponding to it is that the average believer, if you were to say to that believer that something has occurred overnight and your entire retirement has vanished, your investment account is no longer there, your savings account has been zeroed out, your checking account the same way, all of your valuable goods are now worthless, the average believer would go into a panic state. Why? Because many of us, although we have convinced ourselves that our faith is in the true and living God and that we are serving him and him only, when it appears that those things in the natural that we hold dear are no longer available to us, then that is an indicator, a very clear indication that we are not trusting, and that deals with the law of faith, we are not trusting in the true and living God, and we are not worshiping our God in spirit and in truth. And that's one way we can determine in our hearts where we are as it relates to our worship experience. And we'll probably come back to that particular area as we go through today's lesson. Now, some are worshiping the God of intellect. There are many believers who have to rationalize everything. And any scriptural reference that they come across, if they cannot understand it with their intellect, they cannot adhere to it, and they can have difficulty receiving it as a word coming from from the true and living God because their intellect gets in the way. Unfortunately, most believers who who hold numerous degrees have difficulty accepting the supernatural because so often schools, colleges, and universities have caused us to be committed to that which we can make contact with our natural senses, and if we cannot make contact with it with our natural senses of smell and taste and hearing and sight, so forth and so on, we cannot accept it as being real as it relates to that that comes forth from and by and through the spirit realm because of our intellect. Are we worshiping the God of intellect? There are some believers who are worshiping the God of professionalism, that their faith and their trust and their understanding is all related to the profession 
that they are committed to or that they feel that they are called to. That being the case, and if their faith is in their profession, if their faith is in any entity other than the true and living God, how then can they say that they're worshiping the true and living God and that their worship is in spirit and in truth? As we continue, there's some who worship the God of health. There are some individuals, and we're including believers, of course, that they spend most of their waking hours being concerned about how healthy they can come to be. Now, don't misunderstand me. Certainly, we all should be concerned about having good health, primarily so we can worship God in spirit and in truth and carry out those assignments that he has called us to. So it is very important to do so. But there are some people who have a routine, they have a regiment of all the healthy things that they can do because their attitude is that health is indicative of where I stand in the kingdom. And I suggest to you that that clearly is not the case. There are some people who eat absolutely nothing but healthy food. They exercise on a regular basis. Everything they do is consistent with the natural laws of health. And oftentimes they have slipped into a category of being worshipers of their bodies, worshipers of their health, as opposed to worshipers of a true, of the true and living God. Let's move along. There are some people who have made family a God. There are some parents who worship their children to the extent that they have placed their children in the place of the true and living God. Now, they've convinced themselves that the God of the Bible is the one that they're worshiping in spirit and in truth, but the bottom line is that their whole lifestyle and life itself is surrounded by their children. And if anything goes wrong as it relates to their aspirations for the children, then they have difficulty even endeavoring to communicate with the true and living God because they have made their children, or other family members, some who made their spouse their God, Others who made, as I mentioned before, their children, their grandchildren, other family members. There are some people that family reunions are worshipped to the extent that they look forward to that family reunion to to a degree that it supersedes everything else that they are concerned about in life because the family reunion and the, their family at Their family totally is that which they are most concerned about, and God, the father of the universe, comes second. So with that foundation, there are a few other categories we want to touch upon, but with that foundation, let's take a short break, and let's come back and talk about the worship 
of gifts and talents, the worship, even of those in ministry, worshiping the ministry that they have been called to. And the worship of self, men and women have become lovers of themselves, and therefore they are self-worshippers. We'll come back after a short break. Thank you for tuning in to Mosley Spench. To learn more about his honor, the 50 Laws of Life, and to purchase his books and or workbooks, please visit anotherchancemedia.org. Once again, anotherchancemedia.org. Thank you. Back to the show. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, the law of worship. Any questions or comments at this point? Alexis or Anita? Yes, I was wondering, how do you know when you cross the line? Because all those things are important in your life. Your family's important. Having a good education, all those things are important. But how do you know when you cross the line to having those things to be important, but they turn into worship? Anita, that's a good question and a great observation. But I I would answer that from the point of view. Once we come to realize that if any of those areas are taken away, if my money is no longer there, my checking account is void, my savings account is empty, my investment portfolio is crashed, and my pension fund that I thought I could rely upon for retirement is no longer there. If for some reason I'm stripped of my educational credentials, my my, my diplomas and my degrees, uh, stripped of that title that maybe I've carried for a number of years, even if I find myself in ill health, if I see, if I come to find myself in a situation where I have no family, such as in the case of Job in the Old Testament. Even if all of that happens, if it happens overnight, will I still be in a position to worship the true and living God and give him praise for it? And I would suggest to you, if there are any of those areas, if suddenly taken away, or certainly if all of those, are taken away. Still worship God in spirit and in truth and recognize him as the true and living God. If we fall short as it relates to any of those categories, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I a true worshiper? Let's go to the account of Abraham. When Abraham was required by the spirit to sacrifice not his first, second, or third, or fourth, or sixth child. We know he didn't have those at the time. But his only son, when he was required to sacrifice his only son, and we know the account, Abraham was willing to do so because he worshiped the true and living God. And as I perceive 
that every believer all almost has to ask themselves the question. Those things that we hold so dear, if for some reason that was taken away, what then would be my position? Would I then serve and worship the true, true and living God? Look at the accounting and Job. Job lost it all. He, he lost his resources. He lost his health. And he lost his family. And Job still did not lose his integrity as it related to his relationship with the true and living God, knowing that those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, regardless of what the circumstances dictate. So, Anita, I would suggest that from time to time, each of us who hold ourselves out as believers. And just by way of a hypothetical, ask ourselves a question. Yes. And oftentimes we know that which we're very closely related to of that list that I just mentioned. And that ask and to ask ourselves the question, if this, that, or the other, if all of a sudden if we were taken away, would I or could I still worship? And that's a difficult question to ask, and it's a difficult answer to give. But that is at least one way that we can have some indication of where we stand by way of worshiping the true and living God in spirit and in truth. Any further comments or questions, Anita? Or Alexis? Yes, my question is going to be, can you worship without going to church? Well, certainly you can. You, you certainly can. In fact, worshiping should be a lifestyle, and it should not be dependent on church attendance. Now, we're not suggesting at all that we not attend church because the Scripture says to us not to forsake uh, join ourselves together with like-minded believers. So we want to gather together. But I would suggest the primary time for one to worship and praise would be in the privacy of their homes and the automobiles or wherever they may find themselves. They may be out walking in the park. It's an opportunity to, to worship and praise and give glory to God. But back to your question, is not dependent on churches, uh, church attendance. One certainly should go to church and, uh, and participate in the worship service, but it should not be limited to what we refer to as a church gathering. Another aspect of worshiping in spirit and in truth, and all of us perhaps have been exposed to different styles of worship and praise, and my question, and I'm asking myself this question as I present it to Alexis and Anita, that is a style of worship, because some people have a very lively worship service. Some others have a sedated worship service. Now, is the style of worship indicative of whether or not you're worshiping in spirit and in truth? And a symbol that worship very quietly, are they considered not to be worshiping in spirit and truth or an assembly that is very loud and very aggressive in their worship and praise 
uh, services. Is that something that is more in line with how worship and praise should be? There's an attitude now in church circles that you can praise your way out of anything, that regardless of what the circumstance is, that when the praises go up, the blessings come down. So let's look at that from the perspective of whether or not my style of worship is an indicator of whether or not my worship is true worship and the spiritual worship, the kind of worship that is received by our Father, which is in heaven. So, Alexis, to respond back to your question, attendance is not the only indicator as to whether or not I'm worshiping in spirit and in truth. So continuing, what about gifts and talents? There are some individuals who worship. If if they are great singers, they can very easily slip into coming to have an attitude that they are worshiping the voice that they have. Not the giver, but that which the giver has given. And there's some other there's some pastors who are very, very effective in being a pastor and in the messages that they bring. And that person who brings a very powerful message can have shifted his worship and his praise, his glory, from the true and living God to the messages that he brings. It's an area that we have to be very, very careful and take self-examination on a regular basis as to whether or not we are bringing forth worship that is consistent with the kind of worship that we're admonished to bring to the true and living God. Let's deal with this area, which is very popular in these days, and I perhaps have mentioned it, in other messages or other programs. People in this day, in many instances, including believers, have come to be, as the word says, lovers of themselves. I have never in my life seen so much pride among individuals, so much self-attention, and I know, Alexis, you you are pretty astute with respect to social media, and I'm sure more so than Anita and I, but I have never seen in my life people who spend the better, appear to spend the better part of the day posting about themselves, changing their pictures two or three times a day, and the attention, I'm, I'm, we're talking about believers now, not the world, believers who spend a great portion of their time exalting themselves. And we talk about the law of exaltation and abasement. If we have not, we will. But exalting themselves and this whole concept of people taking selfies of themselves 
Now, I'm not saying that's totally out of place, depending upon the purpose and the mindset that this person has in doing so, but for a person to concentrate on themselves on a daily basis, almost hour by hour, they have made them, themselves an idol, and they have become idol worshipers and lovers of themselves. There are some people who relish in seeing their pictures, pictures all over the place of themselves. It is a spirit, and that is the spirit that Lucifer had, the spirit that caused Lucifer to be thrown out of heaven was a spirit of pride and self-exaltation, and that spirit has been loose in the earth today. And any time that spirit attempts to cause itself to to rear its ugly head in our lives as believers, we should recognize it and immediately repent of it and ask God to deliver us from a spirit of being a lover of oneself. The law of worship. With the last couple of minutes we have left on the podcast, Anita, do you have any final thoughts or comments? Seems that anything that you put before God is actually something that you worship. So it really could be anything. It could be sports. It could be nature worth it. I just could be anything. And anything that we put before God is something we worship. Absolutely. Anything we put before God becomes an idol and it's something that we're worshiping. And in doing so, we're not worshiping the true and living God in truth as we are, in spirit and in truth as we are. Judge Mosley, any final thoughts? Well, my final thought would be just to reiterate what we already shared and primarily for us to do a self-examination on a regular basis as to what, if anything, as Anita said, that anything we put before God comes to be an idol. And it's him and him only ought to be served. So, therefore, we want to be honest with ourselves and take that examination that we mentioned and ask the Spirit of God to reveal to us if there's anything or anybody that we put ahead of the God that we should be worshiping in truth and in spirit in the name of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Mosley's Bench with former Judge Fred M. Mosley. To get more information on Fred M. Mosley, Mosley's Bench, The Laws of Life, or the nonprofit organization Justice Ministries, please tune in to the website at lawsoflifecourt.com or justiceministriesintl.com. Once again, that's lawsoflifecourt.com or Justice Ministries, I-N-T-L dot C-O-M. Thank you.